Hey everybody, it's February 29th, 2012. That's right, the 29th. This is a leap year. So cool. I love that. And today we're talking about recording acoustic guitar. This was actually a request from a listener and because uh, they noticed on my uh, podcast that I did about session playing, I was primarily talking about a, uh, electric guitar. And uh, one of the things I've talked about with a couple of you guys actually is that um, you know I could make shows and shows and shows about just electric guitar. I mean, 10 shows about recording electric guitar or 10 shows about recording drums or 10 shows about recording acoustic guitar. But um, I want to kind of get the theory out there so that you learn to experiment on your own and also, you know, I just don't have time. <laughs> That's just the honest truth. Um, but uh, today's show, I'm actually going. I'm, I'm gonna. Tr- I'm, tr- I'm gonna try to do a series, a couple of shows of, of with audio examples, where you guys can hear um, actually what I'm talking about. It's a lot easier sometimes for people to be, um, you know, definitely to to definitely learn something when they hear it. When they're like, oh my gosh, now, yes, now I can hear it. Um, that's one reason I like to include the audio examples when I can, when I have time. Um, so today's show is about recording acoustic guitar, and we're going to talk about three main things. One, which is picking the right setup. Uh, two, which is playing. And three, is miking. So first, let's talk about setup. Um, I think that an acoustic guitar is one of those instruments that can really, really sound cheap, if it is cheap. There are lots of guitars out there that I really like that sound great recorded. I'm not a big fan of Taylor guitars, but they sound great in the studio. Live, I think they sound a little thin, and acoustically, I think they sound a little thin. However, um, they usually record really, really, really well. And uh, I really like Martins, but sometimes they're a little boomy. Um, I have to use kind of a brighter mic or, or farther positioning for a Martin. Um, my favorite guitar, which is one that I own and I use on session work, is a Larave. And I, a Larave is a great company. They make beautiful, beautiful guitars acoustically and recorded. They're just, they're very simple and clean and, and not overdone and, and also a lot cheaper than they really should be. Uh, I got mine at a website called Guitar Adoptions. So if you go to guitaradoptions.com, it's not a used website. Uh, they just call it that. Like, you know, when you buy a guitar, it's like buying a part of a family that's why they call it guitar adoptions it's important so um i love my larvae i have an lo5 guitar with a uh, k&k pickup system installed which has a mic and uh an under under saddle transducer setup and um do i record it the direct not all the time but anyway so picking the right guitar is very important and unfortunately with acoustic guitars it's very hard to get a really good sound out of a really bad guitar if the guitar plays right, it stays in tune, it stays intonated, you know, the guitar can probably sound cool. Um, small acoustic guitars can sound really cool, recorded. I really like a lot, I mean, even like a Baby Taylor sounds really cool sometimes. Um, that's something that's kind of a matter of taste, but also you should realize that, you know, you can get away with a cheaper electric guitar and a really amazing amp. But you can't get away with a cheap acoustic guitar a lot of times. Um, you just—it depends, I guess, what your you know what your idea of cheap is. But you know, like a two hundred dollar guitar generally won't cut it on acoustic. It just will sound bad mic'd, no matter if you use the greatest mics in the world. Um, I used to have an old Takamini. It was a cheap one, not not one of their nicer ones, but a cheap, cheap one. 
and it just never sounded good recorded ever. And then now that I compare compare the way that that guitar sounds acoustically in the room to my Lairve, I'm just like, oh, wow, sounds bad. <laughs> so um, guitar picks. I'm sort of a guitar snob when it comes to guitar picks. I use a I only use one guitar pick and it is from a company called Red Bear and they are a synthetic tortoiseshell pick that um, are about $22 a piece. Now I know that sounds ridiculous and you're probably saying, oh my gosh, what a fool. But they are amazing picks and you really can hear and feel the difference. Um, it's not something like, you know, my, uh, my friends that aren't even musicians can hear the difference. They're, it's clearer. It's not as clacky and plasticky like your standard, you know, uh, Tortex pick, which is what I used forever. Um, it just sounds a lot sweeter and a lot smoother and it feels better. Um, another great thing is that it's three-sided. It's an ident- it, This particular one uh, is the C-shape and I like it because it's three-sided. That's, and it's, so it's, it's uh, what's the word? Equilateral. So it's actually kind of like three picks because all three sides are beveled and, and uh, to, to the right, same size. Another thing is that they, the material is so strong that it'll last you a long time. Like I've, I've been using one pick for the last six and a half months. And, you know, if it gets a sharp edge on it or whatever, you just use like a nail file and you trim it down. And it's great. And uh, so, you know, $22 for a pick that lasts you two years is, is not that bad. Now, you do have to keep track of it. I have to have one of those little key ring things that I keep on my keys. Um, but I, it sounds so much better. It feels so much better. And uh, it really brings out the clarity in a guitar. Um, it's pretty amazing. Like, it, it's just not clacky. That's the best way I can describe it. Like, a lot of picks can make a guitar sound clacky. And, um, you know, it doesn't do that. Another part about the setup is um, the strings. I love elixir strings. Most acoustic guitar players like elixir strings or Martin strings or I'm trying to think of some of the clear tone strings are pretty nice. Um, I think John Pierce, I think that's, that's the brand, um, makes also cool strings. For me, I think strings that are about a day old sound best. So you put on new strings, play them for a day, you know, not constantly a day, but you know, a couple hours and then, uh, you know, wipe them down and then they sound best the next day. When you put brand new strings on, they can sound a little too bright, a little too, like, zingy. Um, and uh, it, depending on the way the song goes, I mean, sometimes strings sound really good when they're dead. Uh, a lot of finger-picking stuff can actually sound really good when the strings are dead. It's kind of, like, woody and earthy sounding, so, like, a little more folk sounding. Um, I don't get too caught up in the strings, um, but it, you know, if I hear something, if I'm hearing the guitar doesn't sound like brilliant enough, then I'll just say, okay, we need to replace the strings. My favorite strings are Elixir, Phosphor Bronze, NanoWeb, 12s. Um, those are my favorites, and they sound good on both of my guitars, and uh, they sound good on most clients' guitars, but that's me. That's my opinion. That's what I feel like, and so... Um, you definitely are entitled to your own opinion and you should, you should have one. You should make an opinion. You should try different strings and see which one sounds best on your guitar. Just like for me trying out drum heads. I really like Evan's drum heads on my toms, on my toms, on my custom drum set. But on snare drum, I only sometimes like an Evan's head. Uh, I generally like Remo heads. 
on the uh, on the snare. Except I love an Evans G2, and I also love this head called the Genera Dry. Very similar situation. I've tried different heads on my toms. I've tried Ambassadors and whatnot. I almost always will like a Remo head, but there's only a couple heads I like on my floor tom. Uh, a couple more I like on my snare drum. I like quite a few on the snare drums. I have four snare drums, so each one kind of has heads that it prefers. So that's just an example. Same thing with a guitar. Some acoustic guitars um, will benefit from different strings. Uh, thicker strings generally sound best because they have more sustain. So like 10s and 11s aren't really used on acoustic a ton. 12s and 13s are pretty common. Um, also things like... A, a darker guitar like a Martin, like a beefier, you know, big bottom guitar, like a Dreadnought style, will generally benefit from new strings in recording. Now, a brighter guitar like a Taylor might not. So keep that in mind. Keep keep the fact that, you know, you can offset sort of the tonality of the guitar with the strings. So one of my favorite guitars, brands for recording is Gibson. I think Gibson guitars record really, really well, and um, especially older Gibsons. And, uh, you know, at that point, it just becomes a, a choice of miking and, and whatnot, which miking for acoustic guitar is very versatile and very difficult because you can go in thousands of directions. It's almost like miking up a drum kit. So, okay, so now let's talk about playing before we get onto the actual techniques. I find in all cases, every single case, it sounds better when a guitarist uses a thicker pick and plays lighter on acoustic guitar. All cases, I've never, that rule for me has never been broken. Never have I said, oh, play the guitar really heavy. Um, obviously, you don't have to like feather light it. I mean, you don't have to just hardly touch it. I mean, you can play it, you can strum it strong. But the stronger you play, the more sort of like, I don't know, just trashy the guitar can sound, any guitar, any acoustic. So I find that once you kind of find your maximum strumming velocity before the guitar starts to kind of crap out and strings start to buzz weird and you know, flop around like a, like a, sometimes when you play really hard, the low strings, um, will kind of flop around and, and kind of slap a little bit and kind of twang, like boom, do that sort of thing. And it sounds bad. So you don't have to bang the crap out of it. You're going to compress it and stuff anyway. So, you know, generally it sounds much, much better if you don't play the crap out of it. So thicker picks, you know, like Anything higher than like a 0.7, uh, you know, all the way up to 2.0 uh, sounds really good. Um, and then play lighter. So kind of define how – I mean, come on. The mics are going to pick it up. You can define your loud as a certain level and then just play below that if you need to. Um, you're in control of that. Uh, another thing is that I find that it sounds better when guitarists – when acoustic guitar players stand actually. But – um, and that's primarily because I feel like the guitar gets squished between the body, between the, uh, you know, the guitar player's right arm and their chest. And so it actually will kind of dampen the sound a little bit versus if you stand, it's just kind of hanging. And, um, however, I find that guitar players need to have a lot of control over how much they're moving when they stand. When they sit, they don't move a lot. But if you're standing... Um, you know, they tend to sway or they tend to, um, you know, sometimes step and make a creak on the floor or they'll, you know, you'll hear them move or something like that. So you got to be really careful. I think it sounds better when they stand. That's just me though. But sitting is totally fine. 
Uh, when in doubt, just make the guitar. Make sure the guitarist is not squeezing the guitar with their body too hard, um, because that'll keep the wood from resonating. You want it to be very lightly, you know, draped on the guitar player. Um, and when they're sitting, you don't want them to lean over it. You don't want them to lean over and and kind of squish the body of the guitar with their chest. You want it to be very relaxed, sitting straight up. And, uh, and playing very relaxed. It's, it'll sound much better. Now, uh, let's talk about miking. And I'm going to hopefully include some audio examples and uh, so you can really understand it. There are five main ways that I mic an acoustic guitar, and that sounds a lot, but um, acoustic guitar is a very uh, wide frequency range instrument. It has lows, and it's got highs, and it's got really bright parts and really boomy parts. So it's a very difficult instrument to mic up sometimes. Um, it's one of the premier instruments where I really experiment with polar patterns. I feel like I use cardioids a lot, like most people, but acoustic instruments like acoustic guitar and piano are kind of the main instruments where I'll experiment more with polar patterns, primarily omnis. So uh, the first way, let's talk about it in order. The first way is if I'm miking up an acoustic guitar for a track, meaning it's in a rock song, I rarely, almost rare, like almost never will use more than one microphone. And that's because an acoustic guitar is an instrument that is much quieter than a drum kit. And when you record it and it sounds all pretty and huge and big and you put it in a track, it sounds weird and you can't ever get it to fit because... It's, it's, it's like your brain telling you that's impossible because it is. It's impossible to hear an acoustic guitar that loud in a track and that full and then hear the drums also that full because drums are going to be way louder than an acoustic guitar because it's mic'd. Remember, the acoustic guitar is mic'd. And live, we don't generally mic it. We use the pickup system. So, you know, when I'm doing a, a guitar in a track... I almost always will use one mic, and then sometimes I'll use the direct. And that's because it sounds better. And also, in a full rock track, I generally don't have a stereo spread for the acoustic guitar. That's generally not what I want. Now, sometimes, sometimes, if the guitar t is, like, really important in the rock song, if it's something like a band, like, I don't like a Dashboard Confessional, or something more like um, Fleet Foxes, or Deer in the Headlights, any sort of those indie bands like that that uh, that have um, an acoustic guitar as the main rhythm element and these electric guitars fit around it, my choice then is mid-side because that creates a really strong mono signal with just a little bit of width and you can adjust the amount of width. So we're going to get to that. Um, but yeah, so generally I will use one mic and one mic works really well, like I said, when you're trying to fit a guitar in a big track um, as almost like an overdub not really even as the main instrument. Um, sometimes I'll double track it and pan one left and one right. That can sound really cool. Um, for this, I will either use a Omni small diaphragm condenser or a cardioid small diaphragm condenser. Very rarely will I use a large diaphragm mic for this sort of thing. Um, my first choices for that are either a Neumann KM184 or... Um, if it's a darker guitar, like a really like a Martin, or the strings are old, I use an AKG 451 because it's a pretty bright mic. And let me think. 
I will also use an Avon. If the song is really intense, like there's a lot, there's pretty heavy strumming. Um, I will use an Avonson STO2, which is an omnidirectional mic that uh, sounds really, really good when when the guitarist is really getting at it. It really uh, softens transients nicely. Um, those are the kind of my three go-to mics for acoustic guitar for the single mic technique. As far as placement goes, I'll generally place it uh, kind of at an angle somewhere between the 12th fret and the part where the neck joins the body, a pretty standard spot. Anywhere from, if I'm using an Omni, it might be really close, like 3 inches, because it doesn't have proximity effect. Anywhere from 3 inches to maybe 18 inches away, um, a good place to start is to follow the guitar player's left knee. So where that, wherever they put their left knee, you can kind of mic it at that angle. That's kind of a good spot. Um, not necessarily up the knee, but, but at that angle, so kind of parallel to that. So this is an example of that sort of miking. was a Perlman TM1 actually and I think that was up and angled downward um, I'm trying to remember that actually I'm pretty sure it was maybe 8 inches away from the 12th fret but it was up maybe 4 inches from the same plane as the neck and it was angled downward uh, recorded either through a Vintech or a Millennia probably the Vintech a lot of people feel like these uh, these preamps like Grace and Millennia are digital sounding because they say they're clean that's not true Clean does not equal digital. Yes, I mean digital is clean, but clean does not necessarily mean digital. This is a very beautiful sounding preamp that sounds like you're sitting right there. Um, it really, really does on just about anything. So um, the next miking technique that I use is like kind of kind of like I mentioned, midside, and midside is one of my favorite miking techniques for acoustic guitar. Probably, if I had to choose just one, it would be that. Basically, mid-side is made up of a figure-eight mic and a cardioid mic. The figure-eight mic is turned sideways, and the cardioid mic goes right up the center. And then this is split onto two channels, and uh, one is put on the left side, one's put on the right side, and one of the phase, some of the phase is flipped uh, on one of the channels. It's a common misconception that mid-side has to be done with a mid-side encoder. It does not. It really does not. Um, one thing people don't realize, or at least they, they sh really should realize, is that mid-side, like, the figure eight mic from mid-side is still a mono mic. Like, just by using a, a mid-side encoder, that doesn't mean that the mic is now stereo. A figure eight microphone is still mono. It just picks up from both sides. So basically what you do is... You will record that mic onto one channel as figure eight. You will double the track. And then you'll pan them hard left and right and you'll flip the phase of one. What I usually do then is I will send the side mics to a bus with Waves S1 imager. That way I can control the width of those two. Now, as you can imagine, if you put the width to zero, they will cancel because it's the same signal that is spread on the left and right, and the phase, phase is flipped. 
So the more you move it in center, the more it cancels itself. The reason this is cool is because mid-side has perfect mono coherency. So if you're recording something and you're listening to it in mono or you're listening to it out of two speakers that are in the back of the room, which is essentially mono, it will sound great because if you switch it to mono, all you're getting now is the mid mic. The side mics cancel each other out. So the side mic. Um, so all you're getting is the mid mic. So mid side is really cool. My favorite choices for mid side are uh, for my mid mic is probably the same microphones I listed before, either an Avenson STO2, which is um, only in some cases that one. My primary one is probably a Neumann KM184 or an AKG 451. Um, sometimes for mid-side, even like a like an SM81 works well. Um, I also really like a C12 can sound really good as a mid-mic. Um, and a, let's see, what is that, a KM54? I think that's it. Um, that can sound really good. All these, Some old mics, some vintage mics, whatnot. But for the... Uh, for the side mic, that varies a ton. For the side mic, I'll sometimes do a tube mic, like a Charter Oak 538. Um, uh, on 414 from AKG also sounds really good. Sometimes I'll use a ribbon mic. A lot of ribbon mics are figure eight, and so sometimes I'll use a ribbon. Um, that's really nice if I want the width to be very subtle. So like if I'm doing like a rock band, like I said, where I uh, don't really want the width to be like a big factor, but I definitely want it more than mono. A lot of times I'll use a ribbon for my figure eight mic because it creates kind of a darker side sound. Basically the idea here is that you're creating some reflections from the room. Cause even, like I said, I mean, if you're sitting a foot in front of an acoustic guitar player, you're still hearing the room. It still sounds stereo cause you have two ears. I mean, it still sounds full cause you have two ears. It's not like you have one ear. Now, when you play a mono recorded guitar out of an acoustic, out of a set of speakers, it sounds generally very mono. If it was recorded well, it can sound a little bigger than mono. But um, that's one of the common misconceptions: is that you know you can put a mic two inches away from something and it'll sound big. Um, you know, distance equals depth. So if you put a mic 16 inches from an acoustic guitar. It'll generally have a lot more depth than if you put it eight inches away. Um, if you think about it, when we listen to an acoustic guitar player play, we're generally, you know, like our friend playing or whatever, we're generally three to six feet away. We're not, you know, our ears are. So we're not really, and even when we're sitting at the acoustic guitar playing it ourselves, our ears are still two feet away from it. Um, you know, a foot to two feet away from it. So... Generally, any closer than that can start to sound artificial and impossible. So um, here's an example of a recording that was done with mid-side. And uh, it sounds very, very nice. And um, this was probably a 451 on the as the mid-mic and a tube mic as the side mic. And the only reason I'm saying probably on these is because I'm pulling these from sessions um, that I don't exactly remember exactly what it was. I'm almost positive it was the Charter Oak 538B. So here's this. Uh, now this is just the mid mic. 
isolate just the side mics, the figure eight mic. This is what it sounds like. And you'll notice it sounds pretty thin, but that's okay. That's, uh, it's creating this width by it. It doesn't have to sound huge. And I'm going to bring back in the center mic right now. As you can hear, that sounds very real. That's what I like to describe it as. So the side mic, yes, it is out of phase. Yes, it does sound kind of weird on its own, but that's the point. It's supposed to kind of create this width that's subtle and, um, you know, basically what you're doing is you're putting the guitar, you're putting the guitar in the null of the mic. So you're not really picking up any lows. You're picking up the reflections in the room from it. You're picking, picking up the, you know, from the left and right side, but the, the guitar is in the null of the figure eight. Um, and so you're not really picking up any body, but that's not really what you want. You're looking for that width and it creates such a beautiful sound. Just for the record, the ratio on this is about um, 10, it, it depends on the style or whatever, but it's about 10, six to 10 decibels lower on the side mics than the mid mic. Right now the uh, mid mic, they're running to a bus, but um, on their individual channels, the mid mic is hitting about negative 18 um, as a peak, and the, let's see here, the side mics are hitting about negative 26. So um, they are about, uh, what you know, 8 decibels lower than, um, than the mid mic, so pr pretty significantly quieter. And again, they're not super huge, so, um, but to me, that sounds the most likable. Like, if I just had to choose one acoustic placement, I love that one. Um, the next acoustic placement is your standard, like, stereo setup. Now, this works great for more of the, um, you know, uh, singer-songwriter type music where the guitar has a little more space. As a general rule, the less that's going on, the bigger each ind individual element can be. So the more things that are going on in a rock mix, the smaller each element has to be, the less low end it can have, the less high end it can have, the little more focused it has to be. But in a track that's like acoustic guitar and vocals, you can spread that acoustic guitar over the whole stereo spectrum and it sounds awesome. Um, or at least partially spread it. I still think mid-side sounds the most realistic. Um, I two, two mic setups on acoustic guitar can work really well. I have this one and one more, which is the fourth method, I'll tell you. Um, so the third method, like I said, is, is, is your standard, you know, one mic at the neck and one mic by the bridge. For this, I used a Neumann KM184, maybe eight inches away, 10 inches away from the neck, about the 12th, 13th, 14th fret area, and, uh, kind of angled, angled, um, towards the guitar. I don't, I don't really ever angle towards the headstock, um, but towards the body, and it's usually a su subtle angle. I just don't like it to be flat. I don't really like the way it sounds. Um, and I like the... Let me think. I, I like the, use the Perlman TM-1 as the body mic. And uh, this would be about pretty close to the guitar, maybe six inches facing the bridge. It's a very mid-rangey type sound, but when you put them both together, it sounds really great. So here's this.
All right, so, uh, you know, both of those are very different styles from each other, but, um, you know, it sounds really great on, on finger-picking. Sometimes it can sound a little too wide on, uh, on strumming. Um, and, you know, I, I could have experimented a little more between the positions and whatnot. I just placed up two mics, and uh, I was doing this as a demo. I didn't find this one from a session. I did this just five minutes ago. Um, that's me playing, by the way. Um, actually, this is me playing on every one of these. Uh, these are, I'm, uh, you know, in regards to session playing, I tried to find sessions that I played because um, I think I remember a little better what I put on the mics on, on those sessions. But anyway, um, so uh, the next position I really like is sort of a, a modified version of XY. I don't do a lot of XY on acoustic guitar. Um, it can sound okay. Sometimes I will use a stereo mic, though, um, that can sound pretty good on acoustic guitar. But uh, this sort of modified form of XY is basically like a vertical XY rather than like your typical horizontal XY. So rather than having two mics, you know, that are, you know, 90 degrees from each other facing the guitar, I have one that's kind of like 90 degrees from each other. Um, but they're they're a little spread back, and one is kind of facing is up facing down at the strings, and the other is down facing up at the strings, and this kind of creates a cool sound because it's like stereo, but it's not like super weird stereo, kind of like uh, miking sep liking like the bridge and the neck can be. Um, it sounds a little more natural stereo, and uh, you also get a slight bit of difference between the left and right ear, slight, slight, slight. Um, the strum from the low strings to the to the high strings because one mic's kind of picking up the lows and one's picking up the highs. So let's take a listen. So you can hear if you listen on the end chords there um, that it kind of, the stereo spread almost kind of moves a little bit left to right, just a touch um, between the low strings and the high strings. I'll play it one more time. It seems like it's hardly doing it, but it really, it is. I mean, it's kind of like miking up a low and high part of a piano. Um, so anyway, these were about maybe six inches away um, from, you're almost forming kind of like an equilateral triangle, like the mics are maybe six inches away from each other, and each mic is maybe six inches away from the neck. That's how I did this track. You know, you can experiment with them um, closer or farther away from each other and also from the guitar neck, about 12th to 15th fret area, somewhere in there. Um, so this last technique is sort of a place one, place another type technique. Um, and this works really great for, again, for tr guitars and tracks. And it also works great just to kind of have um, in, in, a, in a track. You don't always have to necessarily use the other mic, but you can have it if you're just using a mono. So basically the concept here is you record one mic and then you add another mic somewhere else. 
it's not necessarily meant to be stereo. It's meant to maybe be a room mic or, or, or almost just sort of like a space mic. So, for example, you might pan the uh, guitar like in the center, the mono mic in the center, but then pan this second mic, the, the, you know, the extra mic, pan that hard left. And you kind of create this uh, bigness out of the acoustic guitar that you didn't have before. And it doesn't sound stereo, really. It's just bigger. So here's an example of that. This is a KM184 on the acoustic guitar, um, you know, like our standard mono mic setup. And we, the idea is that you want to get the mono mic to sound good. And then you, almost in any mic technique, you want to get the first mic to sound great on its own. And then if you add more, you know, you fill in. So, you know, like even with overheads, you put up your overheads on your drums. And if that doesn't sound good enough, you add in a kick mic. And if that doesn't sound good enough, you add in a snare mic. That's the theory. Same with acoustic guitar. A lot of times you put on one mic. And if you want it to sound bigger, you might add uh, a room mic. And if that doesn't sound good, you might add a mid-side mic. Um, if that doesn't sound good, you might try the stereo up-down technique, uh, the modified XY. And if that doesn't work, then you might try the uh, typical stereo setup, a space pair, so one mic on the neck, one on the bridge. And that's kind of how I look at it. Um, it's a gradual process. So here is the guitar recorded with a close mic and a farther mic. The close mic was a KM184 and the far mic was a Perlman TM1. I'm going to switch the room mic on and off so you can hear what it's adding. Alright, like I said, that was one close mic and one far mic. Usually in my case it would be small diaphragm mic up close, like a Neumann, and then a large diaphragm, either a tube or solid state, um, maybe three feet away, three to six feet away, depending, and then maybe Omni, maybe cardioid, depends. Um, usually Omni if I want a little less, uh, you know, I want a little more room sound to it. Um, and like I said, the uh, mono mic was panned uh, center and the room mic was panned hard right. And so it added this sort of stereo depth to it. It sounds really, really nice. Um, again, uh, now, so what would I recommend for the person that uh, is, is trying to buy microphones for acoustic guitar recording? Well, obviously, I'm sort of the guy that says save up your money and don't, don't be anxious. Don't wait, you know, two days and say I have to have it, I have to have it. You know, save up your money and get something you're going to keep forever rather than something that you'll end up selling for half its value on eBay later. Um, you really want to get good stuff and on, uh, like for things like drums and acoustic, any acoustic source, so drum, acoustic drum kit, acoustic guitar, it's going to be pricey because you, you know, you have a lot of channels generally for like a drum kit and, um, you know, you have a lot of, uh, variables that come into play in, in terms of nice microphones, nice preamps. Um, I would say you want to start out with something that's a pretty clean preamp. Uh, is as kind of a, a general term because those will generally pick up a very very true representation of the source. My favorite preamps in the lower price ranges that are not they don't sound like lower price preamps are the uh, True Systems P Solo, the Grace M101 I think it's called preamp, 
And uh, my favorite preamp to use on acoustic instruments is a Millennia, which is a little more expensive. It's um, a Millennia HV3C. It's $1,800 for two channels. And um, But the Grace and the pre- and the uh, True Systems, I believe, are just uh, like 500 per channel. Um, if you don't have that much, I would suggest you save it. But if you want something, you know, that will work okay, I would suggest maybe the uh, FMR Audio RNP. That's from a company called FMR, and the RNP stands for Really Nice Preamp. It's a two-channel unit, and I think it's only like $300 or $400. And you can get that from Front End Audio. That's frontendaudio, all one word, dot com. And uh, that's a very cool preamp for a cheap price. They basically have made it into a tiny, tiny enclosure to save tons of money from putting it into a rack unit. And they use a wall wart rather than a regulated power supply to save money from getting all this fancy power supply inside. So, I mean, easily it's a preamp that is worth about $1,000 that they sell for $400 because it's in a tiny, tiny form factor. But it does sound really good for the price especially. Um, Now, microphones, what do I suggest? I would say, again, save up something nice. If it were me, I would invest in one really good small diaphragm condenser and one really good large diaphragm tube mic. Those are my favorite for acoustic guitar. If I have those two, I can pretty much get any acoustic guitar sound I want. I don't necessarily have to have a match pair of anything. Um, particularly, I really would like a mic, a, a, tube, a large diaphragm mic that had figure eight. That would be very, very awesome. Um, it doesn't have to, but it would be awesome. So uh, I think for that, my lower end recommendations would be something like a Rode NT5. For the uh, small diaphragm mic, um, I know that Mike Tech makes one. I know that some different companies make one for just a couple hundred dollars. Um, the Avensons are, uh, I think, $500 for the pair, the Avenson STO2s. The problem with those is that they're not very sensitive and they have low, they're very, uh, they actually have pretty high self noise. So for strumming, you're fine. For finger picking, they you can actually hear some hiss on the mics, and that's not it's not bad necessarily. It's just there, um, so they sound really, really good on strumming, and they sound really good on overheads for the price, especially. But um, yeah, if you're doing finger picking, they might be a little loud. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even notice it if it was on strumming. I, I there'd be no way I could hear the hiss. Um, but those are great mics. Um, gosh, SM81s can work okay. I would say my recommendation would be something like an AKG 451. You can get those on eBay for like $400 or $500. Brand new, I think they're like $600. But uh, those are pretty bright mics but very, very versatile and can be used on anything. Hi-hat, um, you know, guitar, acoustic guitar, ride cymbals, underneath the snare drum, on top of the snare drum. They've got a pad and a roll-off on them so that makes them really useful for acoustic guitars, especially boomy acoustic guitars. Um, really, really a cool mic, and, uh, I used it on, I think, one of the clips, I don't remember, uh, but that's a great, great mic, and as far as a tube mic goes, a cheaper tube mic, I would say the Cascade tube mic, I think it's called the Elroy, um, amazing microphone for the money, and I believe it has figure eight also on it, which would make it great for midside, um, the Rode NTK is a great tube mic for, for low cost, I think uh, Mike Tech makes a tube mic that's kind of cheap. I don't remember. 
Um, you know, there are lots of mics out there. Scan Sweetwater. Do your do your research. Ask people what they think. Um, actually, another really awesome tube mic that's uh, that's not too expensive is the uh, Audio Technica Forty Sixty. Um, that's a pretty cool mic. They make a mono and a stereo version. I, I want to say it's like eight hundred dollars. Sounds really good. And um, you know, you can get a solid state mic also. I just like tube mics for acoustic instruments. I think they sound much better. Piano, acoustic guitar, vocals. Um, you know, drum kit as a room mics or overheads. I just, I love the way they sound. So anyway, those are my recommendations. I hope you guys learned something from this show. One thing I should mention is that none of these tracks have any EQ on them. Um, the master of this show does have a compressor on it, but, uh, I tried to turn the tracks down to a point when they weren't being affected by it. So at the most, they're maybe compressing a couple decibels, um, on the louder parts, um, but in general, they're not compressed or EQ'd at all. And um, I only have comp- I only have EQ and compression on my voice here, so there's no that's not being affected by the acoustic guitar tracks. So other than that, all these tracks are raw, and all of them are played by me, and um, played with either my Larave or my Breedlove. I think maybe one of them I played with a Taylor. I don't remember. Um, but uh, and using my Red Bear guitar picks and my Elixir strings at my studio. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this and soon there will be a show kind of similar to this with electric guitars, um, maybe in a month and uh, it depends how, how I can get around to it. It takes, it takes a good while to do it. I've been, I worked on this show for almost a month, um, you know, not straight, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so if you have any questions, email recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. Check out Facebook. That's facebook.com slash recordinglounge. And uh, the blog is at recordinglounge.blogspot.com. And again, thanks for all the nice reviews that you left on iTunes for the show. I really, really appreciate them. And thank you for your continuing questions and comments and, and uh, you know emails and all kinds of great things. I love uh, getting emails from you guys. So questions about anything, email me. Also, if you need inform- information about freelance mixing and mastering that I do, um, I do give special rates to podcast listeners, so email me. Again, the email is recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. I will talk to you guys soon.